to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler and I'm driving out the money changers. Get them out! This will be a house of prayer. Don't worry, no doves were harmed in the making of this pod. Today we're sewn with three threads about cleansing temples and berries here to tear down the walls between us and God. But before we experience the source of blessing, we got to head into the den of thieves with our favorite co-host, Marin and Barry. Good day, Goodness, guys. Why are we yelling? Welcome hey, to the- I got a what? lot of stuff built up. Why We've been gone. Why are we yelling? We are- Do you have a really good compressor, like a noise yeah, gate on that guys, thing? Because I'm ready to go. You're, you're peaking. I know re- that no, you're- No, no peaking you're here. clipping. No, we're good. Uh, <laughs> friends of the pod, we have not- uh, you do not have to reset your podcast app, nor is the <laughs> no. uh, is the feed broken. We have simply not been post- posting uh, podcasts. Yeah, I am not infallible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been a while. So we've take we've taken kind of a month. I think on accident. It, yeah, guys, it was like, three weeks, right? Wasn't it well, three weeks? Basically yeah, half between. a year <laughs> in pod years and roughly time. a month. It's been roughly a month. Okay. Okay. Uh, we needed to get our bearings, needed to regroup. So the first to take one- take some time away. The first one was the the retreat, right? Yeah. Oh, the lead team yeah. was gone and we didn't have a chance to do it. Second right. time I was gone. Somebody was gone. Right. And then one of them, it just didn't happen because the week got crazy. Oh, yeah, Tim, yeah, Tim yeah. wasn't available. Yeah. 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 So we ended up, it's just, yeah. Here we are. Hey, we're that back. has nothing to do with you, friend of the pod. We love you. And now we're back. I'm calling this season two. <laughs> Of the pod? <laughs> yeah. The pod? yeah. Right now. We're, we're starting season two. Wouldn't this be like season four at nope. this point? No. Well, wow. actually, actually, we are celebrating our uh, four year um, anniversary. Oh like my right goodness. now. Do you wow. know how many episodes that is? Uh, yes. It's like 170. Wow. Wow. So I'm calling it yeah. season four. You're a grown up boy. No, this is season two. We took we took a month off and now we're recharged ready All for right, season two. It makes two. no sense. Every season lasts two years. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, so we've been we've been gone. So tell me what's new. What's my, going on? My goodness. Marin, what's Marin's new? been to Cleveland a couple times. Once, Cleveland rocks. Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland. I I just I love that city. <laughs> Don't know what else to say about so it. So what was the occasion? Uh so the first time we went was two or three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, my husband had never been to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I had been to Cleveland, but my husband had not. So I'm like, let's go for our anniversary. 19 years. We've been married. Let's go explore, (laughs) explore a new city and eat good food because Cleveland, many of you may be aware, may not be aware. Cleveland has an amazing food scene. Come on. So I try to base <laughs> all of my trips around foods Come on. and I was really excited. You know what city, when I see like diners and dives and, and drive-ins and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and like Anthony Bourdain or mm-hmm. whatever. He loved you Cleveland. Know, you know what's never featured? What? Cleveland. You're wrong. Bourdain <laughs> did a feature really? on Cleveland that wow. I watched wow. while I was in Cleveland. You take <laughs> okay. it back, Tyler. I'll you take, take it back. It back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's actually like one of their claims to fame that like food? The, the food cynic of all food cynics was impressed by the Cleveland food scene. It's funny to make fun of a city like Cleveland. We live in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's not like the only thing I know about yeah. Cleveland is the sports. I think that was Jed's problem. Initially. And it's like <laughs> everybody, the, the country just piles on Cleveland sports. Yeah, that, that was his problem. At, yeah. at one point while we were walking through the beautiful streets of Cleveland, I'm so in love with this city. It reminds me. Are you kidding me? It reminds me of Chicago before Chicago, like gentrified all of its industry out of its downtown area. Uh So like it's gritty. It's 
It's a little bit dirty, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of classy. I just love it. It reminds me of old Chicago. So I'm telling Jed, like, let's just adopt Cleveland. Let's just make it like our city. And like, it'll just be for me and you. And we'll like come here on our anniversaries and (laughs) we'll root for other teams. I've never seen you so excited about anything. He's he's like, (laughs) I can't, I can't be, be a Cavs fan. He just can't. Yeah, you can't. He has that. too He's much like, can't commit to loathing can't. No. for LeBron that he cannot yeah. be a Cavs fan ever. Nope. No. no. Uh, so first time was anniversary, mm-hmm. and then you, you had to go kids. back. I had to go back because I mean, what's like the big thing to do in Cleveland is to go to the Rock and Roll Hall Cry. of Fame. <laughs> also that, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which yeah. I couldn't do without my kids. Yeah, because like, they, mm-hmm. I they felt would appreciate like the it. whole time. If I had gone without them, I would have been walking through the place going, oh, Jaden should see. Oh, yeah. I wish Desi, oh, Desi could Desi see. And Jed has no appreciation for that. He has little appreciation for yeah. it. Like he he was a trooper. He really yeah. hung in there. <laughs> but he does not. And it's the same. Like if he took me and the kids to any kind of sports museum, yeah. we would be like, wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. That, but that was so the baseball thrilling. bat. The- <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a good sport yeah. though. But the kids we all speak the same language, me and the kids. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. So what happens at the rock and roll hall of fame? Cause I saw pictures of like Desi and Jaden playing instruments. Yeah. I didn't know really what to expect. I mean, I thought the cool thing was going to be, you know, seeing Prince's guitar or something like that, which we did. Mm -hmm. Um, but they have a whole like, I think it's six floors and there's different things to do on every floor. And there's one floor that's basically like, they call it the garage or something like Mm. that. And it's like be in a garage band, like it's all interactive and it's crazy. Cause like they're not putting like squires and, you know, beat up guitars out there. Like they're putting really good equipment out there for anyone to just riff around on and play around on. And little known fact, Desi actually is a pretty good bass player. So she get her on the team. I bring her in man, for an audition. If you can convince her, <laughs> you've got some how magical cool superpowers for her. Yeah. She'll be so cool to be with up your there. brother and mom. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like she was playing bass for a while. Uh-huh. Jaden was playing like a keyboard or something. And then they had this other section where there are like paid studio performers who like basically are your live karaoke band, right? So like mm-hmm. they have like a master list of 70 songs or something and you can pick a song off the list to perform at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so, of course, you know, we had to do that. Yeah, so, of course. Of course. <laughs> so that big success. Fun. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah it, it was totally fun. We didn't, it was for fall break. We didn't have a ton of time. So we left on a Sunday night mm-hmm. and we drove home on a Monday night and mm-hmm. it was just this crazy blitz. Um, but we, we enjoyed our time. It was really great. It was wonderful family time, but no one had a better time than our dog, Maggie, (laughs) who was spending her overnight at Barry's house with her friend Cleo. And she was like living her farm dog dreams. And I, the best part about leaving Maggie at your house is that you send constant like pictures and updates. Yeah. <laughs> is doing you and Olivia both do that. And yeah, we just crack so up yeah. Maggie living her best life, driving around in a pickup truck. Wow. She got to do the thing she likes most in the world, I think, <laughs> which is sit for literally three to four hours straight and just stare <laughs> at the rabbits. 
It's <laughs> like we have a like gate up between the two rooms yeah. and she just laid down and just drooled and watched the rabbits for three hours. <laughs> didn't even want to eat, didn't want water. Your house is so magical. Dream come I true. always feel bad when we bring her home. <laughs> She's like, oh, this again. Yeah. Like, we, yeah, our house is boring compared to your house. Well, so I don't want to, I don't want to change the mood. Uh oh. But you've also had a recent milestone in your life, which is last marching band homecoming. Oh, you're changing the mood. Why would you do that? You're in <laughs> such a, wrong with you? you have a lot to catch up on. He's, gr- he's grieving his, his son getting older. Yeah. So he's forcing you to join <laughs> yeah, him in his me. grief. Oh man. Yeah. So Jaden's senior year is upon us. The only reason I'm like asking about this is because you changed your Facebook picture. <laughs> yeah. Say I love my senior. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, it's very public. Uh, um, yeah. How are you? It's good. Actually, I feel great. Like there, there have been competition seasons throughout his high school years where I couldn't make it to, to mm-hmm. one of the competitions. Um, or frankly, they're very expensive. Like you could go see yeah. like a really famous band for how much it costs to go see your son wow. compete. You know, it's at Lucas Oil. It's it's just really expensive. So my husband yeah. and I would live stream it for way less money. Um, so sometimes we couldn't always be there, but because mm-hmm. of his senior year and all of that, yeah, of course. I'm like, I'm not missing one. I yeah. will go to every single one that he has. Yeah. And I've been able to do that. So Sweet. that's been really awesome. And I cry every time I'm a mess. Yeah. It was cool. Um, so he's in the, the Fisher's marching tiger band. They came in fifth, um, for like bands of America. And this is like bands from all over. There was wow. bands there from Oklahoma, from Ohio. I think Kentucky was mm-hmm. represented. Anyway, tons of bands. Don't act like you're a big shot. <laughs> I am not a big shot. Um, but yeah, Fishers came in fifth, which I believe is the highest they've ever ranked wow. in this competition. The last time they competed, which of course was before COVID, but the last time they competed, they came in eighth. And they were stoked to come in eighth. Mm, so this crazy. year to come in fifth, like big time. it's a very big deal. Jaden wow. was proud of the way they performed and it was super awesome. And it just so happened. I was at Lucas oil um, with my husband and my in-laws were there for this particular performance. And I sat directly in front of a young lady I went to high school with. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, I graduated in 2000, so that's a long, long time ago. We hadn't seen each other in person Whoa. since like we were in high school together. Was it, that's uh, crazy. Here was we are. We're band weird moms. weird to cry in front of her? No, because she was crying too. <laughs> okay. Her daughters were in their first competition. <laughs> okay. They're in eighth grade. So she's, she's wow. just getting started on this yeah. band mom journey. Yeah, and right. I am just at the end of my band yeah. mom journey. Whew. But it was really cool. What a small world. Right. Like of That's all awesome. the places I could have sat, I sat right in front of somebody yeah. who I went to high school That's with. Pretty who great. still lives like one town over from the town we grew up in. So wow. Cool. So you're all right. You're doing all right. Um, yeah. I'm trying to just celebrate the moments rather than grieve the moments. But I have to be honest, there is a level of grieving. When I watched Jaden march off of the football field at Fisher's high school for the last time, I just fell apart. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. So that's already happened. That has happened there. Yeah. yeah, That, that part of the season is done. They have one more major competition left. It's grand nationals. Um, and then like, you won't see me for weeks. Cause I'll just be <laughs> oh, no. curled up in a corner. Yeah. I'll be a mess, but no, right. I mean, all things must come to an end and I'm really, really proud of him. And even more just like my husband and I stand back and we're just in awe of where God brought us from, where we came from. Yeah. Um, 
the school that Jaden was in as an elementary student and even an early junior high student didn't even have a music program per se. I was their music teacher for that school. Oh, wow. And so just to see like the level at which he's able to compete and to learn and the crazy amount of yeah. growth that he's experienced as a musician by being part of this program, mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't be more thankful and couldn't be more in awe of good. The crazy adventure we've been on as a family. Yeah, that's wow. right. All right. Thanks for the update. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, Barry, what's new with you? What's happening? Uh, honestly, last time we met or last time we did this was, I think we had just gotten the pigs. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. so. So Split hooves. Yep. And uh, <laughs> there's been a lot, a lot of just pig improvements around the <laughs> right, around the barn. We uh, Pig improvements. I, a couple weekends ago, spent all day on my day off or whatever, building a, essentially a, a, a fancy door from, for them to go from inside to outside. Cause we had an outside pen set up. And so they got to go out and just like, they're like, wait, there's more. Cause their yeah. life is already pretty great. <laughs> and they were able to go out there and just graze and chill. But in the, now even that's not enough. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. so that's the thing. Doris, who's the mom of beans and cornbread, she has found a way <laughs> oh to get consistently yeah five times now to get out of that outdoor pen. See, And when she does and Cleo's out, then Cleo wants to chase her and play. Like she's big. She's not going to like hurt her. I don't think, but like, we don't want them. Will she run away? She Doris is kind of trotting away as Cleo's <laughs> like, come on, play with me. And That's Doris is you like, give them an inch. Yeah. And yep. so give a pig an inch. <laughs> uh, so we're trying to figure out what That's to what do because they're very smart. And so she like, she clearly tested all the defenses like a velociraptor and decided <laughs> oh my right, goodness. This is how to get out and get to that good green grass over yeah. there. So I don't know. We're having to, to double down on our reinforcements. Uh, reinforcements. Yeah. But the horses, thank goodness have, have kind of come to grips with, okay, these guys are not going to destroy us. <laughs> when we first got them, I think I mentioned this, they were terrified of these pigs. They wouldn't go back in the barn. And when they first came outside, the horses yeah. were like, ah. <laughs> like ready to, ready to fight or flight at any moment. It was so funny. So anyway. All right. So yeah, pigs are good. Family's good. Life is fine. We're just doing stuff, projects doing stuff. all the time. All, all right. the time. We could have stood and watched those pigs all night. Right. Like we were, we, we had a four and a half hour drive to Cleveland when we dropped off Maggie and yeah. we spent entirely too much time <laughs> on your farm. There's so fun the watching the pigs. We could not, we couldn't back away. We couldn't look away. We what got, do they do? they're just, well, they, they happened to be eating dinner. You've and, come a long way on pigs. And going to bed when we <laughs> oh, were there. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and that was incredibly entertaining. Did you pet them? Of course. Yeah. So yeah. They, that's. Someone's going to scratch my itch. Oh my gosh. That's a terrible <laughs> one. Uh, I don't like that one. Um, I, don't, I like that almost. I think I like at least of all of them, including let's do this. Oh, that's my new favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, oh my goodness. so the, yeah, the, the sleeping, the sleeping thing with the pigs is adorable because they, they kind of pair off and then just have to spend so much time getting settled in and they just don't like it when one of them gets settled in and the other one's still trying to get in there and they're like, Hey, ah, yeah. Like, yeah, there was some real drama. Yeah. And, and Marty, the big boy yeah. has collected, we keep giving them blankets that we find or whatever. <laughs> and he has made a pile. He's collected a throne of blankets that he sleeps in. And, and now Maggie has stolen a couple and oh, has made her new, man. a new blanket mount. Big it's drama. Great. It's adorable. And so fun to watch. That's all. all what right. about you, Tyler? Uh, well, we went to the movies for the first time since pre-pandemic. Oh, wow. The other day. Saw Dune. Dune. 
we saw Dune, which is uh, something that was supposed to come out last year, but they delayed it. So we went to the movie theater and saw it. And the 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 reviews, uh, my review is great movie. I would hate acting in it because it's just a lot of running in sand. <laughs> it's not your scene. And it's like every scene someone's taking off their hood because the sun's so hot. It's like, like the scene starts and it, somebody walks into the scene and they take off. It's just a lot of hood taking off and a lot of running in sand. <laughs> I get it. So it's Dune related, related yeah. to the dunes. Sand dunes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, technically it's the planet Arrakis. Oh, uh, yeah. It's colloquially <laughs> yeah. referred to as yeah. Dune by the, uh, the spicing uh, guild. Next week, I will give you a full report. We're having our first parent teacher conference <gasps> for Milo who's oh, in preschool. Uh, so I'm expecting a full report. Is he going to get like a, like a <clears throat> three smiley face? Yeah. Something like that. Friendship yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you a full rundown next week, but trying to remember my first parent teacher conference. My, we went to a very small Lutheran school and I could remember my son's teacher asking me if he had been baptized yet, which he had not because I was yeah. of the tradition that, well, you got to make that decision when you're old enough to understand what you're doing. And her yeah. biggest thing for that first parent teacher conference was, well, you know, it's kind of like fire insurance. You really just, oh. you need to get him baptized. Just in case. Just in case. That's what that's what I will always <laughs> I remember my first parent teacher conference being about. So wow. I don't know that yours it will better, go that I, way. I hope not. <laughs> you want to hear about his behavior yeah. and you want to hear like yeah. we the school he goes to, they send us like pictures every day of what he's doing. And so I kind of have a feel for what to what I'm what I'm about to hear, which is like he hangs out with all the girls in the class. That's kind of his move. He, yeah. he puts on the Elsa dress and they all, <laughs> they all hang out. And so we'll see if he's being nice and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's what's new. Are they sending him home with like homework? No, he, he tell every, t- he, the only time he brings up homework is when it's time to go to bed. Mm. It's like, Hey buddy, it's time to go to bed. <gasps> Dad, I, didn't, I haven't done my homework yet. You don't have homework. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even know about that as an excuse? Yeah. yeah. So no, no homework yet. But so, uh, other than that, pretty normal. Um, this is the time of year I start getting bummed out, just cold and dreary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been a weird fall. The leaves are changing finally, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's like literally weeks late. It's odd. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Yesterday was yesterday, the rainy day. There was one day either yesterday or the day before where it was still kind of golden and warm. And like my drives got a lot prettier because the leaves are just starting to change. The only perk. Friends of the pod, man, they just tune in to hear about the weather <laughs> <laughs> and what we do about the weather. Golden and warm. They want to uh, know. All right. So I'm not going to say what week we're in because it's been a bunch of weeks. You can it's been do a bunch this. of weeks. Are we in week four? We you are. It. Week we four of this. our series, Moments with Jesus. Have we wow. done any show yet about Moments no. with Jesus? Okay. No. Uh, so we're focusing on the Moments with Jesus. And Barry gave the sermon. This past weekend I did uh, you centered around Matthew 21, starting in verse 12, where Jesus is cleansing the temple. Yeah. And uh, so can you kind of give us the big rundown? If you remember how to in the in pod style, uh, <laughs> kind of give us the big rundown, to. your yeah. big idea yeah. of what you wanted the people 
to hear. Yeah. So the, just real quick, in case you haven't heard any of the series, the idea behind the series is that we're looking, we're getting really specific into some very specific moments with Jesus to understand his character. And so we've looked at his, his mercy in how he called Matthew, the tax collector to follow him, a very broken man. Uh, we looked at his compassion in, in raising to life, the, the dead son of, of a, a widow in the village of Nain. And he was compassionate and felt deeply. And then Tim talked in week three about, about his divinity. He's the son of God. And, and the transfiguration was where the disciples got to see that. And then, yeah, this week I talked about the moment, which is in all four gospels where Jesus clears the temple. He turns over the, the temp, the money changers tables. And he, he basically kicks out all the overturns, the chairs of the people selling the animals. And it's this whole big scene. And I, felt it was important to look at his character as someone who makes it right. That's, that's Mm kind of where I landed and to describe that, to help explain the idea of Jesus making things right. I had to really explain this moment. It was laden with many, many meanings and many, there are lots of threads that will, that will were woven through this moment. And so I tried to describe as many of them as I could. And I talked about the, the uh, messianic thread about that. This is the, the kind of thing that a Messiah was supposed to do to cleanse Israel of corruption and to, to kick out foreign influences. I also talked about the prophetic thread. This is something Mm -hmm. that the, the prophets of Israel's history were constantly decrying the abuse of Israel's leaders and of the priests. And so Jesus, by doing this, he is, he is essentially casting God's judgment down on the whole system that's been so corrupted, which was meant to be a place of blessing has been yeah. poisoned by the corruption of these priests. And then the, a little, a thread that's kind of connected to that is the idea that Jesus is not just trying to get the temple back to what it's supposed to be. He's also enacting the fact that he is the new temple and because of that, this old corrupt system can be torn down because he is the new temple in mm-hmm. which we can meet God and, and all of that. So mm-hmm. that is essentially what I talked about. The bottom line is that, that he makes things right. That's yeah. what Jesus does. And I, I talked a little bit about what, what today we might take away from this, both in the sense of, are there any tables in our own life or in our church mm-hmm. or in the, the church that need to be flipped over right now yeah. because we've put up walls between people and God and mm. If we are feeling in any way uh, oppressed or afflicted or or anything like that, it, it's important to remember that Jesus is flipping tables for us. Yeah. If that's where we are, if we are the ones who have had walls built between us and God, Jesus is flipping tables to get us back mm. to him. So there's it, a lot obviously yeah. to dig into there, but bottom line is Jesus makes things right. It's part of his character. It's who he is. It's what he does. So- Let's talk about a little bit of world behind the text here. Yeah. Because I've always, I I mean, I've heard this story growing up throughout my whole life and I've always tried to picture what it would look like and why, why this happened. Um, So this was over Passover, right? Yeah. It was the week before leading up to Passover. So, which meant like this is happening in Jerusalem, which meant people are coming from all over. Yeah. Um, and they needed at the time they needed animals to sacrifice. Well, yes, people would come from far and wide. And I mean, originally, presumably they would have had to bring their goats for sacrifice yeah. or their whatever with them on that's this not gonna work. huge, mo- this journey. But yeah, a, it was more convenient and B yeah. technically it would be okay. So they would buy animals from the Mount of Olives and then walk them up the hill to the yeah. temple. Okay. But sometime in the recent history before Jesus did this, the high 
priest and the other priests had decided it was move a, them in here. Let's move them inside. We'll make more money. We'll, yeah. we'll be able to keep an eye on them. We could probably, you know, hmm. get a, get a cut of the profits. I don't know, and, but, but let's do it in here. Uh, because Herod, the, this Roman backed governor has made the temple complex so much larger. And, uh, and also people had to pay a temple tax, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's why you're coming in from everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's why they, I was like, what's a money changer? Why are they in there? But that's why. Yes. Because you pay this temple tax. You've got a different type of currency. Probably you got to right. change it into temple right. currency. Okay. Right. Can you describe for us, uh, like, what are the courts of the temple? Mm-hmm. It's like inside the courts and there's as I was like trying to read about this, it's like, there's a difference between inside the courts and outside the courts. If they had been outside the courts, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal, but because inside the courts, it's a, it's a deal. Yeah. So there, the temple, think of it as like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of rectangles that, that are bigger than the one inside of them. And so you, you, you <laughs> oh, yeah, got, okay, does that make it. a lot yeah, of sense? Yeah. So like you've got this- <laughs> A bullseye, but of A bullseye rectangles. of rectangles. That's yeah, okay, it. got so it. at the very center, <laughs> at the very center is the, the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark uh-huh. of the Covenant was supposed to be. That's where God's presence was. There's a curtain that would protect the Holy of Holies from the mm-hmm. Holy, that's the holiest place from the- God the, is watching. From the Holy place. And so only the high priest and only once a year could even enter the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. But outside of that is a holy place. Outside of that is another less mm-hmm. holy place. Yeah. And then you keep working your way out. And the outermost walls of the temple was called that, that the area between the outermost walls and the next level was called the, the, uh, the court of the Gentiles. And it was the only place in the temple that Gentiles were allowed to enter. Oh. Now, presumably Jerusalem at Passover, most of the people there would have been Jewish, but Gentiles were technically allowed into that point. So, but no, and this is where that happened. Yes. He turned over tables in the court of the Gentiles. Yeah. And so basically we don't know exactly what Herod's temple, as it was called the Herod's big expansion project. We don't know exactly the dimensions and how it all looked. So we have to kind of piece things together. But if you look at some artistic reconstructions of what we think it might've looked like, imagine like if the temple was, was, one size hair that the Gentile court and all these porticos and stuff that were built to beautify and add probably houses for the, for the priests to live in all kinds of stuff. Like it, it's like four times bigger, five yeah. times bigger. And so this is now this massive mm-hmm. part of the city that the mm-hmm. temple's in the center of. And so there was room for all the marketplace stuff and the money changers. So, so the, the, the yeah. behavior of money trading or changing and all the animal stuff like that wasn't wrong. Right. That, that, at least that's my understanding from the studies that I've done is that there have been some who've said, yeah, that's the reason Jesus didn't like the animal sacrifice or Jesus didn't like money changing. But for everything I've read, it's like, no, that wasn't the problem. It was, it was not like what, but where that was the, Mm -hmm. because of what it symbolized having it in the courts essentially was a form of injustice by mm-hmm. keeping people away from encountering God. And yeah. And they were probably gouging people. Mm-hmm. I would, I would put a lot of money on yeah. that, <laughs> that they were gouging people. Uh, so yeah. the, the, their, their motives. Well, here, like here, I didn't mention this in the sermon, but just this, this seems so right to me. It's, it's gotta be just from what I've experienced in like other cultures. Like if you were a priest or the high priest or whatever, and you could say, Yes, you animal seller, you can be in the temple courts. Oh no, you've got to be over on Mount 
on the Mount of Olives because, you know, but you could be in the temple courts. You just got to give me a little something, something. Mm. <laughs> and all of a sudden you get to be the one, like no one yeah. wants to go buy the animal from the, and then have to walk it all the way up the hill if they can just go get it in the mm-hmm. temple court. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there must've been some yeah. sort of incentive, dealings. incentive, like, yeah, it'd be a shame if people had to walk all that way to get your animals yeah. and you could, uh, you could be in here. Cause I'm trying, I've been trying ever since you, you talked about this, I've been trying to think like, what would I have done? And I, I think I, I get why, like it's convenient. Yeah. So if I'm trying to like, and you, you talked about the Christian industrial complex. Of, yeah. And so I'm thinking, okay, Christian concerts exist. They pay me. I have to pay a lot of money to go to a worship concert. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> like, <laughs> are, what that- are we talking about here? Because I feel like I go, I go from out of town to a worship concert and, or I pay for a ticket online and it's super expensive mm-hmm. and I don't know. We just had, we just, I mean, we're, we have this little mermaid thing coming up. So, yeah. and it's going to cost money to go to the thing. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm trying to think about like, is the behavior what is messed up or is the motives like the motives for profit over, uh, facilitating because what, what they were trying to do, like you need an animal and you need to pay the temple tax. That's to draw closer to God. That's mm-hmm. to worship. Mm-hmm. But it seems like these people's, motives became personal profit and gouging and taking advantage of and stuff versus facilitating the worship. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I even wrestled with even to mention the the whole Christian industrial complex thing, because on one hand, like there's nothing wrong with going to a worship concert. Like that's a great thing, especially if it draws you closer to God. There's nothing wrong with buying Christian books. There's nothing wrong with, with going to a conference that's going to sharpen your faith or any of that Yeah, or getting a little, knickknack thing that you can hang on your wall. That's a, a verse that you like. Like there's nothing wrong with any of that. Yeah. If, it, if it draws you closer to God, but when you look at it all in aggregate and you think of all of the things that we so thoughtlessly consume that are not necessarily there for the purpose of glorifying God, they're there yeah. for the purpose of enriching somebody. Yeah. 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 So that's like the, that, mo- the motive part. Yeah. yeah. So like, I don't know. It, I, I, I guess in that part of the message, when I was, when I was saying that my hope was that people would say, all right, let me stop and think about it. Yeah. Like, what am I, what am I well, that's been, doing? What that's what I? I've been doing. And so I read, I read Matthew 21. Yeah. And it turns out like the very next part of Matthew 21, like Jesus curses a tree. Yeah. So I'm like, he's and it's like the next day. Yeah. So I'm like, he's, he's clearly not over this. He's clearly, clearly read not the over rest the, of, read the next couple <laughs> chapters. He is, it goes all so he's not over this. Yeah. And so he curses a fruitless fig tree. Yeah. And which is a direct callback to Isaiah five. It's a whole thing, which is itself a condemnation of Israel's religious leaders. Yeah. So I was like, he's he's still in the bad mood of (laughs) what happened yesterday. He's in a prophetic mood. Maybe they're (laughs) one and the same and throwing out the money changers and like transactional hollow. um, What's in it for me? Worship style. Yeah. Is the same as a uh, same value as a tree that bears no fruit. So He's cursing the tree that because it bears no fruit, same way as a money changer and taking advantage of people who are just trying to worship with this hollow act or hollow behavior of like, we're going to gouge you for these things. Like those are, those are kind of the same thing. It's like fruitless styles of yeah worship or something. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. Um, and if you look at Isaiah five, this is why I said in the app notes, there's yeah. hours of content for this message. But if you look in Isaiah five with the 
where, where he talks about a vineyard that was meant to produce fruit and it instead it produced sour grapes. It, the whole thing is that this, this idea that it was meant to produce blessing and it produced injustice. Mm-hmm. It was meant to produce and he's talking about holiness. Israel. He's talking about Israel and, and it was meant to produce holiness and it instead it produced oppression. And that, that I believe is the whole fig yeah. tree thing is Jesus is, is it's an object lesson to say, look, I mean, if he's on the Mount of Olives and he's cursing a fig tree, you look <laughs> up and there's Jerusalem, the yeah. capital of Israel. And it's, it's all a part of what yeah. he said. And if you look at the rest of, mm-hmm. then the next two parables he gives are both about a vineyard and a vineyard <laughs> owner who, it's, you know, wasn't able to get fruit because of bad management. It's like, and this, uh, this, uh, this act, this behavior, is this the thing that kind of like, all right, we got to kill this guy. According to Mark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And each of the different gospels has a bit of a different take on how the cause and effect led to Jesus dying. But the yeah. whole week that he's in Jerusalem, it's like, cause right after this, all those things that the parables that I just mentioned, if you keep reading in Matthew, mm-hmm. those are all while he's sitting in the temple courts teaching. Yeah. So he's in the temple and he's teaching about these like very thinly veiled parables <laughs> yeah, about the, 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 the priests and the <laughs> yeah. religious leaders. So there, there's a lot of reasons for them to want to kill this guy because he's threatening everything that they've built. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like thinking about this stuff. Cause I, I like, like trying to picture myself and like, what, I, what would I do? And there's part of me that's like, it's pretty convenient to move all that stuff inside. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, maybe I, I probably would have done something like that or seen no problem with it, but hmm. the motives part is where I, I run into. And it, I I think it's important. I don't want to draw too fine of a line and say, it's just about the fact that they had animal sellers in the temple courts. Like it's it, that is emblematic of a much bigger rot that had crept into the system of the temple and the system of worship of God. Like it, 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 I said, it wasn't, Jesus wasn't, uh, he wasn't doing it to make a point. He was, but it was bigger than that. It, yeah. it was, it was, he was enacting something that's, that symbolized that mm-hmm. there was, that this whole corrupt system mm-hmm. was being torn down and replaced by yeah. something that's incorruptible. Mm-hmm. You said in your app notes, if you were a patriotic God fearing Israelite, you were longing for somebody to come and cleanse it all. Yeah. yeah. So that's the messianic thread. Right? Yeah. Right. So there's there, you, you talked about three threads uh, messianic prophetic and one that's not named <laughs> the, the new temple thread, call it that. Um, so let's go into a little bit more detail here. The messianic thread basically is defined as like what, what Baron just said, like yeah. there's a, th- we're, we're, we're looking for a Messiah figure to come and deliver justice by casting out corruption. Right. Okay. Right. And and this was, I mean, very finely sharpened by the Maccabean revolt, yeah. where, which I'd mentioned in the mm-hmm. message, which was, you know, it was 190 years before Jesus was born. So like not quite founding fathers ago, you know, for us, yeah. but it was like, it would have been a foundational like narrative of, of like our, we remember this. who we are yeah. as a, as a nation. And sure. you remember like 1776 for us. Yes. None exactly. of us were there, right. but we all know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's significant. Um, <laughs> she's rolling her eyes. Um, okay. Yeah. Or like the civil war. That's about as far back. Uh, it's about yeah. the civil war to us today. We mm-hmm. think of the civil war as a, as a foundational moment in yeah. our country. It symbolizes things. We talk about the leaders of it and stuff. So yeah. And, and Antiochus Epiphanes, this, this leader that, that 
had been set up. He was not from Israel. He was nasty. And one of the things that he had done is he had intentionally corrupted the temple. He had gone into the most holy place. And I think he had, I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but he had, he had defiled it and probably even brought in like unclean animals, like pig guts and stuff and put them all over the place. And so the whole temple was defiled. Mm -hmm. And so when they kicked, when this rebel army was able to rise up and kick out Antiochus Epiphanes, who then died terribly with some sort of worm live like body eating worm stuff that the, the, the book of, uh, I think second Maccabees talks about it and they, it, just is going into great detail. They're like so happy. Insects don't have blood in them. Yeah. And neither did Antiochus Epiphanes when he died. But (laughs) anyway, when they kicked him out, they had this huge purification ceremony and they rededicated the temple and repurified it. And it was a foundational moment for them to think of, this is what it means to get Israel back on track. And Maccabees, that's Judas the hammer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I thought. The hammer. I mean, can you imagine that? Like you're, you're a legend. You're Judas the hammer Yeah, because you're the guy. What a nickname. I don't know why they haven't made a movie about that. And I'm actually being serious because it's, it's actually a pretty cool story. I mean, and it like, it fits all that. Like I said, star Wars into my sermon, I think at one Mm -hmm. point, but it's like, like plucky rebels fighting in the wilderness to like Mm -hmm. save their country from a massive despotic regime. You shall not pass. Yeah, very much so. In comes Judas the hammer. (laughs) The hammer. Uh, all right. So that's a messianic thread. The, the second thread you talked about was prophetic thread, which is essentially bringing Israel back to Eden and back to the epicenter of God's blessing. Right. Which the prophets of the old Testament are all about. They're constantly talking about this. And frankly, it's almost wearying when you read the prophets because they, it's like they can't help themselves, but go after Israel's leaders because the Israel's leaders are the ones that are most responsible for carrying forward God's intentions for mm-hmm. the nation, which again, is to be the epicenter of blessing for all nations. And when Israel is corrupt, then God's mission to heal the world is corrupted. Yeah. And so they have so much responsibility for that, that God, that the prophets who are speaking on behalf of God are constantly calling it out generation after generation. I mean, over 500 years, they're constantly calling it out and saying like, this is a problem. This is terrible. You're going to pay for this, that they're calling out. There's going to be an exile. The temple is going to be torn down because of you. Like, yeah. And Jesus is stepping into that thread and he's saying just, and just like John the Baptist, just like the prophets that, that mm. were in the old Testament, it, they looked at the religious elite of Israel and they said, you, you've lost the thread. Yeah, like, you you've missed it. it. Yeah. And then the third thread, um, the point of it is Jesus came to fulfill the story and to fulfill the temp- purposes of a temple of the temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By becoming the temple. Right. Yeah. He's Um, the, he's the, the meeting point between heaven and earth. He is God's dwelling place among us. He is the place you can find forgiveness of your sins, just like the mm -hmm. temple. He is the place where justice and, uh, and peace can be found and there is no oppression. There is no corruption. That's what the temple was meant to be. And even if you look again at hours of content, if you look at the old Testament (laughs) and you, and you look at what the prophets dreamt of the temple becoming, like look at Isaiah 60 or, or I want to say 54, I'm not sure, but there are many prophecies that depict God's temple as the place where all nations yeah. will stream to worship God, mm-hmm. all nations. Like it's the, the temple is the, is the place where God's ultimate mission will be accomplished mm. and, and all the world can come 
to live in peace together and, and worship at his temple on mm-hmm. his holy mountain. Now, I don't think the old Testament prophets realized that that temple would be a man yeah, and mm-hmm. God himself, but, but that's exactly what Jesus came to. to and nobody to else realized it even, even when he said it. Right. Except for the guy who wrote the book. Right. I think, I think so much of what Jesus was saying was so hard for them to wrap their minds around because it broke all existing categories. It's so much easier for us because we were used to the idea of like a Trinitarian Godhead, but like <laughs> the idea back then that like, yeah, it, it all those kinds of things are so out, mm-hmm. out of, out of yeah our perspective. And by the way, I didn't get into this either hours of content, but like by <laughs> extension as the body of Christ, we collectively are the new temple as well. So, all right. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause I don't, I, that, I, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? It means again, in theory <laughs> okay. that we as the church, big C church are God dwelling among humanity. We, we are God's presence and that's through okay. the Holy spirit within us. Mm-hmm. We are the meeting point between heaven and earth because we are new creation people mm-hmm. where we go. New creation exists and new creation is the fusing of heaven and earth. We are uh, the people who experience and can offer forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all of the things, and we are meant to be a place where injustice and corruption and oppression have no place. That's what the church is meant yeah. to be. The okay. temple is meant to be. Many Jesuses. Yeah. yeah. Well, or Jesus writ large. Like yeah. <laughs> we are all a part, we are yeah, all a yeah, part yeah. of the body of, of Christ. That's what that means. So. It's mine. Uh, yeah, Corinthians six nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of yeah. the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are no longer your own. You're not your own. Your body is the temple. Right. So that make uh, in this context, it makes all the sense. It makes all the sense uh, in the world. Growing up, the only time I heard your body is a temple. It was not smoking. Don't smoke. <laughs> it's like, don't smoke. Don't and drink. Yeah. yeah. Don't do bad things. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, when that, I got that, tattoos. Oh, that's don't it. Yeah, you yeah. know don't. your body is a temple. Yeah, that yeah. may have been a slight missing of the point that Paul was trying to make. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Um, so as we're talking about turning tables and things, I think it's important to hold the mirror. And you did this. I thought, I think you did this in a, in a really, um, excellent way. we like, hold the mirror up to ourselves, Grace Church and ourselves as individuals and ask ourselves kind of why we do what we do. Like, mm-hmm. and God needs to cleanse, um, the temple and cleanse us and cleanse. Um, we need to ask him to flip tables in our hearts. We need to ask, we need where our motives have diverted from repentance and discipleship to our own glory and things like that. This is what I've been processing. Like yeah. what inside me, and you asked the question too, what, what inside me needs to get flipped that mm. um, I have, I have kind of distract, I have been distracted from attributing glory to God and focusing glory on myself or on anything other than God. Yeah. Maybe I'm elevating something that yeah. isn't God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as I'm reading this, it's like Jesus's motives weren't to bring attention to himself. No, his motives were to bring our attention to the father. He's like, this is my father's house. Mm -hmm. Right. And as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, if somebody was in my house acting crazy, I'd kick him out too. And so like, he's not, 
or I would hope my, my son would kick him out, you know, yeah. but like Jesus is, he, he was not like trying to draw attention to himself. He's, he's doing this in defense of his father's house. Mm. And we all kind of need that to be true. Like I need that to be true of me. Uh, we need that to be true of us as a church of like, why are we doing the things we're doing? If it's drawing people's attention and drawing them closer to God, mm-hmm. great. But if it's doing yeah. anything other than that, we need to really like assess whether those things need to be cleansed, I guess. Yeah. And what might we be doing that is a hindrance to people coming to God? Like, yeah. we, we've got a bookstore, but we're not saying unless you buy this book, mm-hmm. you cannot enter and have a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit today. Like we're, we're not doing that, Yeah. but there are churches and I've, I've known churches. I've known people who were, who were burned by this. You know, if you don't dress a certain way, mm-hmm. like that's, that's the new yeah. temple text, right? Yeah, yeah. If you don't look the part, then you can't come in and experience God. Yeah. Like yeah. There are other ways that the church even today creates barriers to people. Um, yeah. Coming I mean, in. Yeah. Can, coming I, tell in you, can I tell you, I mean, this, this is kind of an interesting, this one's kind of mind bending, but when I was in Chicago for school, I, I worked at a homeless shelter where I learned that the basic rule was you don't eat unless you sit through a church service mm-hmm. and you don't sit through the church service until you've become a Christian. Yeah. So if you're hungry, whoa, yeah. If you're hungry, you got to have that meeting, accept Jesus into your heart, go to the church service. Oh and then you can goodness. eat. Shout Which, out to, I know, yeah, I know. You probably know where I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're not shouting them out. But, but that, even though you might say, well, but they're, but they are, they're, they're making God front and center, but are they? Because they're actually putting barriers between them yeah. and God by saying that, that your needs can't be met. You won't experience justice until you, so like, who are they painting God into? Yeah. And so that I, it's in a roundabout way. That's, that's exactly the same kind of thing in my opinion. And in my experience in working in homeless shelters, there were so many women who said that they couldn't go to church because they didn't have church clothes. Yeah. And that was my first experience of like, really? Yeah. Because I came from like a blue jeans church, but re- really you, you, they wouldn't even consider going into a church mm. without the proper attire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and one final thing that I think is, is relevant to us today. And I, I'm, I know I'm thinking about this a lot because I've been listening to that podcast the, that we talked about last time, the, the um, Mars Hill, Mar- the rise and fall of Mars Hill, that Christianity yeah. today podcast. Uh, but I've been thinking about it beyond just that podcast, but that we generally have this, this pattern in the church of elevating leaders and of letting our desire for success and fame override some of our other yeah you know, better instincts. And I, I just was thinking about this and I don't have much historical evidence for exactly how this all went down, but I think about the, about Herod's temple, the big Herod Mm -hmm. expansion. If you look at, at Ezra and Nehemiah, when they first built this new temple, the second temple, they were all, all the old timers that remembered the first temple were, were devastated because it was so much smaller and weaker and sadder and less sufficient than the first one than Solomon's temple. Um, So now, you know, skip forward several hundred years and and Herod, this very wealthy, powerful king backed by Rome, decides that as a way of getting more legitimacy with the Jews, decides that he's going to expand their temple and make it powerful and beautiful and make it look just like a Roman temple. It's going to look just like the temple of, of Zeus. You're going to love it. Like, mm-hmm. And he does all this and they get 
dollar signs in their it. eyes, like a, like a, you know, like the old cartoons. And they're like, wow, we could have a really cool, shiny, awesome temple that would be awesome. We'll feel so yeah. much more powerful and special. And so they let him do that. And, and you could say, well, then they got their nice big temple. But like I mentioned in the message, guess what we call that temple now? Herod's temple. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's his, it's, it, it's his glory. Yeah, that's right. And so that to me, I think we do that today without even meaning to, we're so that we so desire to be a part of something that wins. Mm-hmm. It's winning and successful that we would be willing to let that leader, whoever it is like, take over and, 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 you know, put barriers between people and God, because look how successful we are. And so I don't know, it's, I, I am burdened by it. I think about it a lot. Um, So when do we have authority to behave this way? When do we. To fashion a whip. Yeah. When are we mention that? I know you always mention that. (laughs) When are we authorized (laughs) to flip In the gospel of John, it, it, it specifically mentions that Jesus fashions a whip. He, he, I think we might need to come back to it when we do the gospel of John series in, uh, yeah, anyway, get to, uh, the whole thing will be about fashioning a whip. Yeah. Just for you. I mean, it was premeditated. Yeah. He feeling went home aggressive. and he fashioned a whip. He was feeling aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. When, when can we do that? When are we authorized to do that? Uh, if we're going to be a church or a group of people that care about unbreaking the world, mm. when are we authorized to behave that way? Jesus obviously had authority to do what he did because it was his father's house. You know, he's kicking people out of his dad's house, father's house. If people do stuff um, that betrays my values, I'm going to kick them out of my house, you know? Uh, But what about us? It's not like, it's not like Jesus went to the priests and we're like, Hey, you got to check out these money changers. Like we got to get them out. Knock it off. He he took it into his own hands Mm -hmm. and he kicked them out. So, Practically, <laughs> when are we authorized to do this? Because the 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 mod, uh, a modern version of this is like I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm just going to like blast my church friends with my opinions of yeah. evangelical and all, all all that stuff. Like that's 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 a version. Of, that's what pe- some people today think is a version of that. They're like hashtag flipping tables or whatever. Sure, and I don't think that's the. I don't think that's good, but when are we authorized to do this? <laughs> well, Marin, I, I've got a thought, but do you want to go first? <laughs> I can go first. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I think I don't necessarily think of it in terms of a violent physical act of flipping tables. I do think of it as a form of rebellion against a status quo that is corrupt. Mm-hmm. And so one way that you might do this, like if you remember the story, Jesus does all this, flips all the tables, the animals are all running around, and then he heals the blind and the lame, mm-hmm. who presumably weren't very like welcome in this bustling temple court. They come to him in the temple and he heals them. I wonder if part of this looks like saying, well, if our culture values success, well, we're not going to do that. As a church, we are going to set aside success and we're going to feed the poor. We are going to, we're going to care for our neighbor in, and we're going to do things that cost us and keep us from looking successful. If it means caring for our neighbor or something like that. Yeah. I could, yeah. I just about went on a whole bunch of specifics that would have gotten me in trouble. <laughs> no, I, I feel like it's important for you to point that out because people like to point to the rage in this story. Jesus was raging against the machine. I caught that from you, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> um, New band. Jed, Jed laughed at that one. 
Um, but he didn't stop there. Right. Because he was, like you said, in the passage that followed, he was healing people. What, what which gospel was that? Is that Luke who said it's that? It's in Matthew. It's in Matthew. It's in Matthew yeah. Um, but he didn't, he didn't even stop there. So he healed and then he paid the ultimate sacrifice and laid his life down. Yeah. And so the people who are on social media and just want to rage are missing the point entirely. Yeah. Show me how you're willing to surrender unto death. Show me how you're willing to lay your entire life down. All of it, lay your whole life down um, in love to the people around you and serving the people around you. That, that, that's where this was ultimately leaving zeal for his father's house consumed him to the point of laying his entire life down. Yeah. Clearing the temple was only part of it, hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't like the apex of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you know? And the more I'm thinking about this, it's like, what have we spent the other three weeks talking about? It's like yeah. Jesus was known for his divinity, for his compassion, his character of love, like self-giving love. We talk about it all the time. Like those are the things he was known for. He spent three years at least getting known for that. So for him to come out, fashion a whip and do all this, like it had to have been an extreme thing. Like it had to have been extenuating circumstance. So if, if you've, if you're somebody who's known for compassion, for love, for, uh, yeah, that's good. You know, and, and all of a sudden you're like, get these things out. Yeah. Drawing, drawing the glory to God. Like that's different than if you're somebody who's just known for being angry, ranting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about things you're not happy with. I feel like there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, yeah. So I, ha- I, I feel like it has to be like, like you said, Marin, it, he inevitably, you know, gives the ultimate sacrifice, but it has to, there is, it has to be either a foundation of love. Like he's known for love mm-hmm. and yeah. wow, this guy who's known for love is acting this way. I better pay attention. It's like the guy that never speaks up <laughs> who finally says something. Everyone's like, like, whoa. Yeah. It's like that. Mm. Yeah. I, and I said this in the message, I, I, I referenced it earlier, but he wasn't doing this to make a point. He wasn't just going on Twitter and blasting. He was doing this to make room. Mm-hmm. He was making mm-hmm. room for those that didn't have space in God's house. Mm-hmm. He was making room. And so I think whatever we do, if we are, if we are flipping tables, if we take the authority to flip tables, we had better be doing it to make room for others to mm-hmm. experience the love of God. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it was all boiling down to is that, that God from the very beginning had been desiring to draw all people to himself. Yeah, and to heal the broken world, and so that's what Jesus was standing in the way of, is or he, that's what he was dismantling. Is anything standing in the way of that healing mission happening? And so, ultimately, even if we do decide we've got to fashion a whip because some part of our culture or even our own church or some something around us is broken, the result, the end result, had better be making room for those that 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 are not being made room for now because that's what the end result should yeah. be of it, self-giving love. It's such a powerful contrast, the image of Jesus flipping the tables and then the image of Jesus going to um, trial as, as a lamb, silent as a lamb before slaughter. 
again, he didn't stay in, in rage mode. You said that this was the moment. One of the gospels points out that this was the moment they decided we need to kill this guy. Yeah. yeah. He does this act. He's, he's fully God. He knows they're going to kill him for this. He does this act of righteousness and holiness. And then he, he lays down his life and lets them kill him for yeah, it. Less yeah. than a week later. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't keep raging all the way to the cross. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I always love hearing sermons about this because I mean, I identify with some of it. Like I, the rage. Yeah. Is it like, the rage. Not just like the, the, <laughs> the justice part. part. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the rage <laughs> and the justice part. Like I like knowing that that's part of God, you know? And, uh, so the, the problem I find myself getting in is when I'm, when I'm seeking justice just for justice sake, or just to be a part of it or just to whatever, instead of drawing someone closer to the Lord, that's where I get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because one way to fight injustice is to go and murder the families of, and the people in the families who are committing injustice, Yeah, but that does not heal the world. That only commits further injustice and the other way to, to fight against do this. injustice is to lay yourself down. Yeah. Like some of the people that we like Martin Luther King Jr. Like, like uh, Jesus himself. We look at these, these, these leaders of nonviolence mm -hmm. yeah. who fought against oppression and injustice and yeah, they raged against the machine, but it was done in a way that was of self-giving love. Mm -hmm. So flipping in the name of, <laughs> Oh no. Wow. That's a, all right. Specific uh, reference yeah. So <laughs> where do we go next? Are we still in the series? We are one more week and I'm expecting this one will be a really great, I think emotional end of the series because we're looking at the story of the woman who, who uh, anoints Jesus's feet with oil. And it's a, it's a really tender moment, really powerful story. And ultimately what I'm going to talk about is the fact that it all flows out of her deep gratitude for who Jesus is mm. and for the forgiveness that he has offered her. And it's an invitation, spoiler alert, for all of us to think about our own, our own response to what Jesus has done mm. for us and the gratitude that we have for him. So it cool. will be, it, I think it's going to be perfect because in some ways in this moment, we see Jesus as all the things that we've looked at before, you know, makes things right. He's divine. He's mm -hmm. merciful. He's compassionate. And yeah, so it'll be good. I think we said at the beginning of the series that it was our hope that, our congregation would experience a moment, maybe every weekend, maybe just once out of the series, but a real transformational moment that they could point back to a moment with Jesus. And I experienced that this last weekend, your message had ended. There was a guided meditation video. And then um, Dave Fackler, who was leading this weekend, led us in um, that song, um, nothing else. I just yeah. want you. Mm. I just want you nothing else. And I just wept like I was crazy homesick. Like mm. I just mm. longed for his presence. And I felt, um, the, the clarity within my heart and mind, the clarity within my temple. I really did feel like I had a moment where it was just me at the feet of Jesus mm. And it's hard when church ends that way because, okay, all right, everyone's got to leave now. But I wanted to just stay in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious if you guys have experienced your moment yet this series or, you know, if there's been a moment like that for you. But 
I was encouraged that that's exactly the kind of thing we were hoping people at some point would would experience a moment with Jesus, as simple as that. For me, it was the first message of the series. I talked about my own story of being called to ministry. I mean, called to follow him right at the moment of my deepest awareness of my own brokenness. And as I was writing it, as I was telling it, as I was thinking about it, that it was a, a renewed moment with Jesus for me of just remembering like, what were you thinking calling me? <laughs> and, and so I, it was a, it was a great renewal for me just to be thinking about that. Um, my most recent experiences thinking about things like this usually are rooted in conviction. <laughs> so I've been talking this whole time about like, what would I have done? And if I was a money changer or whatever, if I was Israel, one of Israel's leaders. Um, but during that song that you're talking about, I remember being like, man, I don't think about this every time I hear a worship song, but I was really focusing on the words because it's, mm -hmm. it's just repeating nothing else. Yeah. And I was like, do I want that? Like there are some times in my life where I'm like, that's a, like, I, I like, I like some of the stuff mm -hmm. that I have. I like the people. I like the things and blah, 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 blah. Do I really want nothing else? And, um, having stuff like that rooted in conviction and compact and a couple weeks ago, compassion and forgiveness. It's like, yes. Like I, I, I kind of like re up mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. when I, when I am in these moments, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted heavily and I'm re upping because the, the cleansing of the temple, you're right, Marin, it's just part of the story. And the compassion is the other part and the forgiveness is the other part. And so that's, I don't know if that's a specific moment, but I do remember sitting in that, uh, auditorium with that song playing being like nothing else. Like, do I, do I really want to sing that right now? Uh, mm. and kind of re-upping on that. Yeah. Um, all right. So next month we're starting a new series. That's kind of like family friendly, right? Yeah. I don't opposed, know. It's, as opposed to all of our other series. Well, I mean like, <laughs> like we're focusing on like family, like, I don't know. Issues. It's, yeah. It's more of a, what? Yeah. It's, it's the, I mean, it's, it's a topical series looking at like, what, what are we facing heading into yeah. a holiday the holidays? Season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very targeted to like things that we all kind of have to wrestle with during the holiday season, emotionally, uh, financially, relationally, yeah. all these things. And yeah. so, um, I'm really looking forward to that. I hope that friends of the pod, I hope that you feel, um, compelled to invite people to this series. This will, this will be kind of a pre preamble, pre, pre, pre game for the Christmas, the whole month of December where, uh, this is our tailgate party. Yeah. <laughs> no, October's a tailgate party. Oh, sorry. Wait, no, you tailgate before the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pregame, I guess. Okay. All right. So November is the pregame. <laughs> Invite your friends, give them a taste of, um, of kind of what we're anticipating for the holidays. And then December, I mean, Christmas is what, like nine weeks away. My goodness. <laughs> so, help so me. uh, geez. Yeah. So wow. we, so we're, we're, we're right there, but this is, we're entering the holiday season and I hope that you feel, um, excited and compelled to invite your friends and family to. So we have one more us. weekend of this series Yeah, and I know. then we start yeah. the, the new series, which I think we're calling calm in the chaos. Yeah. it's a good name. Just <laughs> getting prepped, getting prepped for the holidays <laughs> yeah, best we can. Yeah. 
So that'll be good. That'll be in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, invite your friends. Trunk or treats this weekend. Woo. Um, we went for, we went this morning <laughs> as we're recording this, we went from, oh my goodness, we're not going to have enough trunks to the end of the day being like, do we have too many trunks? <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So I don't know. Come, it'll be a good time. Bring the kids. Bring a trunk. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> bring, bring friends because there's going to be cool, like visitor stuff going on. And yeah. So bring a trunk candy. <laughs> it'll be good. Sunday, Sunday afternoon, uh, from five to three, three to five, five. three to five. Okay, good. Don't show up at five. Yeah, three three to five. five. All right. Marin, will you please send us out? I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 